0: The following is my conversation with Father Chun. I'd like to thank our mutual friend Linda Olson for introducing us. I really enjoyed this conversation and I'm glad to be able to share it, albeit a few years after it actually happened. My apologies for procrastinating, but it's done now and I'm glad to be able to share. I was interested in learning how you've integrated uh, your Buddhist upbringing okay. with good. your like, later... Uh, conversion to Catholicism, like how those interact?
1: Setting aside the theological beliefs, the practice of Buddhism and the practice of Catholicism are very similar. The Buddhists emphasize uh, what we call charity, love of God, love of others. They call compassion. They have compassion for all living beings. Insects, every living being. And you strive to develop great compassion for your fellow humans. And one of their models is that the other person is really you. How you treat the person is really how you're treating yourself. So that's one great, great common element is a practice of charity and compassion. Another one is humility. The Buddhists believe in being humble, um, not to seek praise status. Well, it's a Taoist proverb, one of my favorites, be like water. It's interesting, Bruce Lee uses it in teaching martial arts.
0: It rings a bell, actually. Be, yeah, like Be
1: like it. water. Mm-hmm. So I give it a Christian perspective. Be like water. And I tell retreatants people, be like water. Water is flexible, it's fluid. So you got to be flexible and fluid to adjust with the different things in life and problems and so forth. It flows around problems, over problems, under problems, but be flexible, okay? To be like water. Okay? Water always flows downhill, and it stops at the lowest level. This is humility. You, you know who you are. You don't try to pretend what you're not, but. The third most important thing is the water in the lake or river is available to anyone who comes to it to drink, to cook, to wash, to clean. This is universal charity. You're available to help anyone who comes for help in any way. So this is a wonderful model, you know. so, but humility, they stress humility very much. Okay? Simplicity and detachment. Uh because for the Buddhists all things are passing. All things are passing. So you you have to practice detachment. Don't in fact the Buddha says one of the greatest sources of sufferings is desires. Uh he doesn't say cut out all desires. He doesn't. Some people misinterpret him, you know, because there's a desire for enlightenment and nirvana. Mm-hmm. But but it's really true. If you don't have desires, you don't get frustrated <laughs> because when you desire something, you don't get it. You get frustrated. Mm-hmm. In fact, some people build their happiness on on getting possessions. You know that's their idea. Uh, and then the interesting thing is, after they get everything, they're still not happy. Mm-hmm. You know A quote from a rich person yeah, says she says, "Money doesn't make you happy." It only makes you more comfortable when you're miserable. <laughs> Which is very true. <laughs> when they're miserable, they can take a trip, they can go shopping or whatever. You know? <laughs> so, anyway, uh, and purity. The, the Buddhist emphasizes purity. Not only physical chastity, purity in body, but purity in mind, thinking positive thoughts. You know, uh, so you see the similarities, and right, that's why, to me, th- there's no conflict at all, as long as you stay away from a the theological disagreement. But I, I like their concept For the Buddhists, there's no personal god; mm-hmm. it's a cosmic awareness, mm-hmm. this cosmic consciousness. That's kind of the closest thing of their knowledge of a God. Mm-hmm. Uh, we believe in a personal God as Christians. Mm-hmm. But their concept, to me, makes a lot of sense also. Because, look, we believe God is all-knowing. He knows everything, What where every single person is, what every person is doing, thinking, feeling, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if you're a person, how, how can you do that? But if you're cosmic consciousness, that's how you're aware mm-hmm. of everything that's happening. So that's my answer to your question about blending Buddhism with Catholicism.
0: Yeah, it seems like there's some fundamental truths that I, like. they're probably somewhat common across a lot of religions. Um, I mean, the ones I know most about are like probably Christianity and Buddhism, maybe a little bit of Taoism, I guess. but uh okay so when i was a teenager i had this experience i read one book about uh it's called the art of happiness Uh and uh i think it was a neuroscientist who interviews uh the dalai lama and asks him a lot of questions about like well like how should people go about being happy what's kind of the source of suffering and like what what's a good philosophy to go through life with and i found that like a really useful interesting book i don't know Are, are you familiar with it Well,
1: yeah, I have the highest respect for the Dalai Lama, and I've read some of his thoughts and writings. And the interesting thing is, you know how I know he's a great man? Two things. His humility and sense of humor. (laughs) He has a terrific sense of humor, Mm -hmm. really. Mm -hmm. And that's a sign of a great man. You know, some people take themselves too seriously. Mm-hmm. And his humility, he keeps mm-hmm. saying, hey, I'm just like you. I'm just an ordinary person. So mm-hmm. these are the two signs I see what a great man he is. Mm-hmm. And his, his teachings carry a lot of weight, really, mm-hmm. a lot of wisdom in his teachings. Yeah. And again, his stress stresses compassion. He says, hey, mm-hmm. if you want to be happy, you help other people to be happy. Mm-hmm. I mean, what can be more Christian than that? Mm-hmm. You know. So anyway, go yeah, on.
0: It's, uh, yeah. Let's like do unto others. Uh, and it, well, it's kind of like as you would do unto yourself. Yeah. Because like, if you're being harsh with other people and critical, and um, I mean, really, like, name it. Uh, vain if you're criticizing their appearance and saying like, oh, how bad they look on Instagram or wh- whatever. Yeah. Um, you're creating that same scrutiny in your own mind for yourself. Right. And you just really create suffering for yourself that way. So I don't know. It's very interesting. Um yeah, like it, it seems to be true. Uh what I, what, when, especially when there's multiple faiths that have arrived at the same conclusion. Yeah. Uh where where it got less useful for me. So then after reading that book, I was like, oh great. Like Buddhism rocks. I go and check this out. And I read this other one and it was uh very dogmatic about like the different levels of in which you can be reincarnated, how specifically oh, yeah, yeah. to get specific, <laughs> I know specific levels, and then it it's just very like this complicated. Is, well, and it was so inapplicable to me because yeah, I was like, I don't yeah. really need that right yeah. now. Like uh, I'm I'm uh, 15. I have <laughs> really limited knowledge of the world in general. Just yeah. some basic life advice would do me a lot of good. Yeah. Uh, so it was, yeah. It's like kind of a turn off thing. It was like, okay, like the general generalities are like very useful to me, and uh-huh. the specifics uh, may or may not be, depending on like. And, and that was just, you know, the Buddhism. And I think it's a criticism a lot of people, especially people my my age, have like religion in general. They kind of look at the the uh, pain of following the specifics and not on like the wisdom of, like, the big picture.
1: Right. I um, no, and I, there's a connection. Um, this Buddhist nurse says, you know, well, I, I believe that whatever I do for my patients, I'm really doing for self, you know. And then I said, well, here's the big difference between Buddhism and Catholicism. In Catholicism, everything you do for us, you do for Christ. You do for God mm. you're not doing it to self mm-hmm. you're doing it for the person, and Christ says, whatever you do to the least of my brethren, you do unto me. Christ takes everything, whatever good you do to others, he accepts it as being done to him. to me that's a major difference
0: mm-hmm. yeah, and I, that way I, like um that's one of the things that I like about Christianity. Like to the extent that I practice it, that's kind of how I. That's uh, is like like uh, having a like mental image of Christ is like the ultimate good of, of what a human can be. Yes. And uh, if there's like a literal person who lived and was that embodiment, like more like it's it's useful, um, but the conception of i guess manifesting that action and uh being the, living out the greatest good i think is like a, a very useful thing and then you see the same things there as uh i mean in like the the figure of christ as you do with like what you were talking about the dalai lama like right. the uh almost uh unbelievable level of humility yes like who lets themselves get crucified Voluntarily, oh, yeah. that's that's not something your average person would would subject themselves yeah, to. That's right. Yeah. But he still did it with almost a sense of humor. And yeah. Like oh, yeah. He had a great which,
1: sense of humor. People yeah. don't realize that. But if you search in the Gospels, there are little yeah. indications of it. but anyway. Uh, dry remarks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, understatements he makes.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, any other questions? Uh,
0: For a young person. Uh, cause you mentioned the, uh, the role of managing your like desires and, um, trying to understand that uh, like desire ultimately leads, uh, to like a sense of want, which can lead to suffering.
2: Right.
0: Uh, how do you square that for say a young person who, uh, needs a sense of direction and purpose in the world and, uh. I mean, a lot of times our desires are born out of somewhat use, like kind of useful ideas, like needing to be useful to others. Like, yeah, I, I need to make money. Well, I need to be able to like develop skills so that I can help others, or I need somewhere to live, or like I need to buy groceries or whatever. Uh, so, like, how do you square that and keep it from becoming aimless? Okay,
1: it's very interesting. In the Old Testament, the great emphasis on wisdom, really, that's the key. Mm-hmm. You know, the Old Testament praises is greater than gold and friends and so on. That's the greatest thing. Why? So, to answer your question, I think the, the most direct answer is acquiring the virtue of wisdom. And it's one of the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. What is wisdom? Wisdom is seeing the whole picture and everything in subordination. Well, Aristotle gave a brilliant, I think, definition of human happiness. Aristotle defined human happiness as the development and use of all your senses and faculties and powers in an orderly and subordinated manner. Uh, to me, that there's a lot of truth to that. To develop your senses, you develop your sight, your hearing, touch, uh, physical skills, right? Your memory, your imagination, your spiritual powers of understanding and loving. But all in a orderly, subordinated manner so that what comes first comes first. Um, I, I tease because this is my... Favorite quote from Goethe, <laughs> because that's the only quote I know from him. was <laughs> a great German poet, but that's the only. He says, the things which matter most must never be at the mercy of things which matter least. Wow, that's powerful. Because so many people make minor things much more important than what's most important. So getting back to your question, wisdom. Okay. So the thing is, you look at the whole picture and say, okay, I have to improve myself. I have to earn money to support my family. Okay? Yeah, that's fine. As long as that's not the only thing. You see? What's the whole picture? So I can be of help not only to my family, but to others. So I can be of service to God that's wisdom there's nothing wrong with self-improvement as long as it doesn't stop itself you know in fact i i did a little project on human happiness uh i, I think you'd be interested in that i'll see if i can find it for you
0: uh, yeah definitely would be yeah
1: because we, we all you know aristotle everybody everyone but he wants to be happy. It's just that people have a different understanding of what happiness is, what it consists in you know so um, so that's i don't know if that answers your question or not it's it's seeing the whole picture that's a thing that keeps you in balance, mm-hmm. otherwise, a person will just work to get as much money as he can mm-hmm. as many things as he, and of course then you have the diff uh the difficulty of needs and wants and so mm-hmm. forth, you know. Um, so, okay, I, I don't know if I, at least I've given you a general answer.
0: Right, so as you're engaging in that process, how do you, like, make that assessment? Like, what what kind of work should you be doing, like, personally, to make sure that you're keeping a, in right alignment track. with... Yeah. Yeah, what, and, you know, making the most of your gifts and... Right.
1: Well, well this is where... Oh, uh, let's see. Well, f- f- for Christianity, it, it's more easily seen. You know, what, what you do is you put it... Uh, uh, he says every... It's just a connection. I don't know how we'll fit it in. But he says every personal problem is a relational problem. And at first, I said, ah, that's kind of stretching it, Mm. you know? Then I started thinking about it. No, he's absolutely right. (laughs) Every personal problem is a relational problem. It's about a person's relationship to himself, a relationship with things, Mm -hmm. a relationship with other people, Mm -hmm. or a relationship with God. Mm -hmm. But he's absolutely correct. You know, he, uh, he he developed reality therapy, which is the oh, one. Oh, uh,
2: Glasser. Early. Yes, William Glasser. Yeah.
1: Reality therapy. That's that's his. You know. Uh,
2: he introduced me
1: to him. Not to reason Yeah. Thanks for reminding William Glasser. Sometimes my my mind blanks out. Uh, but so how how do I stay on path? Yeah. Well, see, this is the thing, where. In Catholicism, you kind of have structures to help you, Mm -hmm. right? So, in Catholic spirituality, the most important thing is getting the proper guidance. And the thing is, it's the Holy Spirit who guides us. He guides us from within. He suggests thoughts. He corrects us. So, the the thing for a Catholic, the big, big, and he's the source of wisdom, mm-hmm. the big thing we have, the big advantage we have, is the guidance of the Holy Spirit. That's the one thing. The other big thing we have is the sacrifice of the mass receiving communion. If you think Jesus was a perfect man, and he was, in all aspects, right? In a way, our goal is to be like him. Mm -hmm. And when we go to mass and we receive communion, that's that small step. When we eat food, there's ingestion and assimilation. The food becomes part of us. Mm -hmm. When we receive communion, it's the opposite effect. We become more Christ-like. We become assimilated to Him. So these are the two structures that we Catholics have in pursuing the whole picture. Mm -hmm. The guidance of the Holy Spirit, right? And becoming more Christ-like. In our prayer life and in our worship, so that's the answer.
2: Okay. Yeah.
0: Like while you were saying that, it, it occurred to me that it's it's uh, basically like that's what spirituality is for. Like like no matter who, like what what religion you're part of, like when you're seeking that understanding of what a good life is and how to fulfill your own. Um, like potential and like the best version of yourself that you can be, uh, which is different for everyone. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I guess that's open to like discussion. Like maybe some people would disagree with that, but like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like that's a thing where I, I see a lot of people, my own age who have kind of discarded spirituality and religion for the reasons I mentioned, like it's off putting in some way. Uh, but I really like it and have found a lot of value in it uh, for for answering that kind of question for myself. Right, Because right, uh, right. you really can feel when you're um, like water flowing downhill. Um, you know, it's very natural. Like you almost are effortless in what you do and say. I yes. think it, it just flows.
1: That's it's exactly right. Yeah. And,
0: and I, I've had that experience like a few times and it, it's just like, it's magical, and it, you kind of come in, in and out of it. Um, but like while while you're in that state, it's fairly it's it's blissful. Like that's what that yeah, emotion yeah, is. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. That's the thing. Like, I I would like uh, to see more people, more especially young people, um, take advantage of this tool to like really improve their lives and like f- find that meaning and, and that similar sense of satisfaction have great lives I guess.
1: Yeah, and then there, there are so many temptations and counter-currents, really. Yeah. <laughs> but in talks yeah. I always uh, contrast capitalism, uh, so with the love principle. Okay, what's, what's the principle of capitalism? Well, you're a financial advisor, <laughs> so you know this and you practice this. Yeah, big okay. fan of capitalism. Huh?
0: I like capitalism generally. Oh, oh yeah.
1: yeah, I like capitalism. Uh, but the capitalistic principle that some follow is maximum income at minimum investment at minimum risk. Mm-hmm. If you follow this, you can get very rich. It's kind of like, for many people, the capitalistic principle, mm-hmm. right?
0: Yeah, it's like the Milton Friedman thing of like the business of business is business. Right. Which, sure, you'll, you, you will make money that way. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's you so know, the end of your life. The so love,
1: what? What's the love principle? Yeah. <laughs> the love principle is maximum investment because you're investing yourself. At maximum risk, because you're risking yourself, right? Uh, what was the third? At uh, like, uh, minimum returns. Mm. <laughs> That's a love principle. It's just—it's just the opposite.
0: Why not ask for maximum returns?
1: Well, the thing is, if you expect max. Maximum returns, you'll be disappointed, right? So I I list it to make it to contrast it with a couple. No, I get I get
0: the um, what do you call it the the dichotomy, or the yeah, the dichotomy, yeah, yeah, the yeah. the
1: opposition. That's why I put it at minimum returns, right? Because some people are very disappointed in love. I mean, many parents are very disappointed in their children, Mm. and that, you know.
0: That's a bummer.
1: Oh, I know, but it happens really a lot, because children, in a way it's understandable, but they take their parents for granted, and this hurts them, but that's why, but if you look at the minimum returns, it fits in a lot of cases, Mm. in marriage, in parenting.
0: It's what you can control, is what I'm seeing. You, you can control the risk of putting yourself out there. You can control making the biggest contribution you can. You can't control your returns you always. You can't control
1: your returns. You can't. Uh, so that's why, it's it's in a way, I think it fits the yeah. love principle.
0: One thing I noticed when I was over the course of talking to a lot of entrepreneurs is that uh, the, the most successful financially are often the most selfless it it's it's an interesting thing where like the I think the right philosophy is to not expect as much Mm. but I've noticed in practice what often happens is that they're just like showered in abundance and it's a I don't know it's it's a it's a nice thing it's kind of a like if you do life right then like uh you do get rewarded in the ways people traditionally want to be rewarded um
1: and some get lucky.
0: Some do, and some <laughs> off, some awful people can also get lucky. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, they, not everyone's equally. They
1: happen to buy an IPO, and boom,
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they
1: become very wealthy.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's yeah, so it's not a thing you can count on. But I I, I, I do notice now, that what the generosity
1: you, 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 you hit the nail on the head. This, you see, uh, you you can't control. The return mm-hmm. you can't in a gold yeah. principle, and to a certain extent in in, in the capitalistic world right. too.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah, I think like focusing on the return is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It lends itself to bad thinking, because uh, I've not. I mean, in the course of building my business, I I go through periods that are very productive and satisfying, and I you you almost just forget that the money is there. Like it shows up.
1: Um, well, it's nice when you don't have to worry about income. That's quite really a blessing.
0: It, it, yeah.
1: It, because a lot of people, they sweat. I mean, it's real. You know, yeah. if they were, how am I going to pay the rent? How am I going to buy food?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Wow. That's a real, especially now. Yeah. There were so many people out of
0: work. Yeah. But I've also noticed, like, when I focus on the money, like, I do lower quality of work. I um, mm-hmm. my I'm less uh relatable to the people i'm working Mm. with less valuable to them because i'm not empathizing fully with them i'm seeing on some level a dollar figure associated with my time how do i make this relationship worth as much as possible to me personally how do i justify it's uh it's a delusion yeah and there's inverting the thinking kind of takes care of everything at once where like I I know I'm inherently selfish enough that like I I won't just do this for free forever and like I do have practical needs to meet Um, so I don't need to worry about it the money as much because like just kind of my nature is that way where it will show up but uh, focusing on being as generous as possible is something that takes more conscious work and it's more fruitful
1: yeah and it's, it's basically it's a ministry you're helping people basically you know
0: ministry is a good word for it oh actually. yeah i feel that way
1: uh, it is a ministry you're helping people anytime you're helping people it's a ministry you know there are a lot of people standing on the corner asking for handouts and i always give something i always give something and some people say well they might use it for drink or drugs you know i say, well it doesn't matter my job is to help What the person does with it, that's his business. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not my business. So I always help, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, And and I told Leanne this, and she does the same thing, you know, because at first some people say, oh, you know, they follow them and they don't need the money. Well, that's not our business. Our business is just to help. What they do with it is their business. Mm -hmm. So anyway... And I have the greatest respect I who started that group? The the million billionaires mm-hmm. pledged to give half or more of their mm-hmm. funds. There's a whole list. Yeah. Bill Gates, um
0: And Buffett's on there. Yeah.
1: I mean they made that pledge mm-hmm. to donate and they have about five or six billionaires. Who have signed the agreement, made yeah. the agreement. And of course, they set up foundations. I
0: help. think there's actually a lot more. Is it more than I that? I think it's like several dozen.
1: Oh, wow. It's really Because grown.
0: Well, it's not just uh, the top 10 but wealthiest millionaires people. Also. There's, there's actually a lot of billionaires. There's, you know, like a, a few hundred. Yeah. Um, and that's just the ones that people are aware of and not counting people who just own a ton of rental real estate. On their own, yeah. Yeah, that's like not public, right? Yeah. Um but I have a
1: great admiration for that. They're, they're sharing the wealth, and mm-hmm. they're, they're trying to help people. That's the main thing, you know. They know it's not all for them, you know, and uh, and they say at least fifty, and some of them go up to 80, 90%, yeah, 90 percent. You know? Yeah, And they say they don't need that much. Right. You can only
0: yeah. eat
1: three meals a day, and you know, right. so anyway. Well, but well, I have a great admiration for these men, yeah, because at least. They, they're sharing. That's the main thing.
0: What are your thoughts on... Because I think Buffett's doing it, but... Um, yes. and, and he does give a lot of money away. But I think one of the things that like, got him on board with it is that he could do it after he dies. Uh-huh. Uh, what are your thoughts on waiting until you're dead to do it versus doing it during your lifetime?
1: Well, the, the need is now, so I would say do it now because the, the need is now. You don't know how long you're going to live. Meanwhile, these people are doing without, so that's mm-hmm. the one thing, you know. But then, uh, I get it's it's their motive. And we can't question it. You give mm-hmm. them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. They're doing it because they want to help people, you know.
0: Yeah, they're doing a uh, lot of good. Yeah, and it's not like.
1: for a tax write-off or to be praised, Yeah, like the other side, you know. Sure. But, you always assume the best motive for people,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know. But I, I think they should do it right away, because the need is now. Mm-hmm. You, they might live in the five, ten, fifteen years. Yeah.
0: What do you feel like the key elements of a great adventure are?
1: What I consider a great adventure.
0: Yeah. What What constitutes a great adventure for you?
1: Oh. Well, the greatest challenge is becoming Christ-like, first of all. Okay. I've worked with married couples. I've given engaged encounters and teams of Our Lady for married couples. Okay, That's one of the greatest challenges, is building a solid, loving, stable marriage and family life. That is a huge challenge. People don't realize what a challenge it is. Mm-hmm. It really is, you know? To build a loving, stable marriage and family life. So, overall, is becoming Christ-like immediately for for married people. That is a great, great challenge. That Mm -hmm. is a great challenge. You know. So, like um, in teams of Our Lady, these are. Couples that get together once a month and they, they it ranges like from uh three to five six couples and and it's their goal is to become a saint in and through their marriage that's their goal, and they do this well, they meet monthly and well they have a whole structure for doing this and so forth uh but anyway, these are two great challenges. The great challenge of a businessman who owns a business, okay, that's a that's a great challenge to make it successful. That's a huge challenge, you know.
2: Uh, Tell me about it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and there's so many factors involved, but it is a tremendous challenge, you know. But, and there's different philosophies on how to achieve that success, you know. Um, and, of course, I always remind people that efficiency does not equal effectiveness.
0: Um, yeah, so I thought it was interesting that the second thing you alighted on was great marriage, because that was actually another question i had for you so like what are the key elements of a great marriage
1: well william glasser he 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 has see okay his approach he became a psychiatrist i guess he in the service and his first assignment was after he became a psychiatrist was a home for delinquent girls in south southern california I think delinquent girls are much harder to work with than delinquent boys, but anyway, that's debatable. But his approach is, is really interesting. He had all kinds of cases. These are runaway teenagers, and, uh, drugs, uh, prostitution, and so forth. So this girl comes in and says, Well, when I was young, my dad beat the hell out of me, and okay, that's all in the past. We're not interested in the past. It doesn't exist anymore. I we want to deal with right now, and that's the only thing is really important to remind people that past events no longer exist. They no longer exist. There's a residual effect, but it's a lot easier to deal with the residual effects. You see, if we don't remember it, they don't come back. So he says, all I want to do with is right now. That's the only thing that's real is right now. So, right now, what is it you want? So, it's very goal oriented, but it's reality therapy. It deals with reality. Past doesn't exist, future doesn't exist. The only thing that's real is right now. So, what is it you want? Says, well, I got a weekend pass, and my mother and I, we fight like cats and dogs. I mean, ugh, we want to kill each other. Uh, so, I, I just want to. Have a good visit. Say, okay, well, what can you do to do that? And she's at a loss, you know. So finally says, okay, well, try this. Uh, That when she says something to really get you angry or provoke you, you won't retaliate. And he gives the three things. And she says, it's not going to work. He says, well, just try it for my sake. So she goes home. "Come out, she says, "It works." Now that's the acid test. When you don't think something is going to work, but it works, yeah. <laughs> you know it's effective. Yeah. So that's his whole approach: is reality therapy. See, and
0: so how does that apply for marriages? marriage? Yeah. Well,
1: one application is that conflicts do not break up marriages. uh, There's a doctor, University of Washington. It's really interesting. Uh, Well, first of all, every marriage has conflicts. That's not the issue. The key is how they resolve conflicts. That's the key. It's not whether or not you have conflicts. It's how you deal with conflicts. And this uh, professor at Universal Washington, he had hundreds of videotapes of married couples, married a couple of years to... 45 years. And he has them discuss something they always disagree with. They always fight about. And then so he has all these, hundreds of these tapes. And then he watches all of them. And then he, he I, he's written a book, I forgot the title of the book, but uh, after watching these tapes, he has a 90% plus or more accuracy in predicting which marriages will work, which will fail. Mm -hmm. And he says the thing that the disagreements show is if one spouse shows any contempt towards the other, marriage will not work. It's a level of respect and acceptance that's going to make a marriage work. And I always want to give marital instructions for Catholics. Okay. Uh, And then so we have this Catholic couple, been married for 50 years. That's a huge accomplishment in our society. Divorce rate is 50, right? Percent in a divorce. Uh, And so they're being interviewed with a relative. Didn't you folks have problems? Oh, he says, when we first got married, we were just earning enough to pay the rent, buy food on the table. We argued, we had children, we fight over children, we had health problems. So he was describing all the problems that went through and the conflicts. Mm-hmm. Finally, the guy said, Wow, didn't you ever think of divorce? Both of them immediately say, Divorce, no, never. Murder, yes.
0: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> so, anyway. It's the, one of
0: the more Catholic things I think I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah.
1: But and the thing is it, it's the love commitment mm-hmm. that carries them through all these conflicts and problems so anyway the, the discussion i have another discussion when you talk about love and basically love is a commitment so we'll, we'll go into that later i'll yeah. give you some material
0: like one of the things that uh i've heard that seems to be accurate is like the person you are drawn to like the person that you marry in many ways, is a compliment to you, and that they have strengths that you don't have, and um, likewise, like they have weaknesses that you're strong in. And together, you're kind of like working, helping each other work out those problems, so you're not quite so messed up as people. And one of the things I think happens when like contempt enters the picture is that uh, you kind of see yourself as a little better than you really are Uh, and then you see the other person as a little more flawed than they really are like you forget you I guess you lose track of the humility that uh, the other person might have something to teach you that that something might take your whole lifetime
1: yeah yeah Uh, true or false six persons live out every marriage what's that six persons live out every marriage true or false I'm not talking about in-laws now.
0: Yes, yeah, so you're not counting parents or kids.
1: Yeah, no. Uh,
0: are you talking about like changes through life? Like you, you change as you age. No. No. Okay. So, what's the?
1: I okay. And I say the answer is true. True. Sure. Okay. I thought it first. The husband, as he sees himself. The husband, as the wife sees him. The husband as he is, or as God sees him; mm-hmm. The wife as she sees herself. The wife as a husband sees her. The wife as she is, or how God sees her. If these six persons remain six, they're going to have problems in their marriage. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So the goal is, she has to strive. Mm-hmm. The, the goal as a couple is to strive for two. The husband sees her as she is, as God sees her.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The wife sees the husband as he is, as God sees him. Right? Mm-hmm. The closer, which takes time, the, the closer they get to this, the more loving and stable the marriage will be. But you have these other persons very often involved.
0: Mm-hmm. That seems pretty spot on yeah that's definitely a thing it's like two more questions i i have for you do you have a favorite work of art
1: well you know i'm into aesthetics I'm, i love classical music puccini is my favorite author uh my favorite singer right now is elena and but anyway art of course the impressionist. uh but I'm into the fine arts. It's very interesting. Pope Benedict 16th said, and Pope Francis reiterated, which is very true, if you want to learn about Catholic spirituality, there are two sources. One is Christian art, Catholic art, the cathedrals, paintings, and so forth. Yeah. The other is the lives of the saints these hundreds of outstanding individuals who became so Christ-like in their life. So that, if you want to learn about Catholic spirituality, through Catholic Christian art and the lives of the saints. I forgot your question. Repeat your question. Favorite
0: work of art. Oh, wow. So are we counting, I guess- art it's an seven arts, okay. It's an interesting insight though that a person's life is an art, a work oh, of art in its own right. Absolutely we're celebrating.
1: true. A person should become an art. You see, God said, "Make, let us make humans in our image and likeness." What does this is mean? That just as God is a spiritual being, we're a spiritual being. Just as God is a knowing being and loving being, we are a knowing, loving being. But people forget, God is a great artist. And we should strive to become an artist. And the greatest work of art is ourselves. Good. Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you for taking time to oh, share sure. with me today. I, I, really, I really have enjoyed talking. Oh, good. It's, good, good. it's good. been a very interesting. And meeting.
1: hopefully you've learned something. I'm sure you did. Well, it's, yeah, it's been thought-provoking. Yeah, thank <laughs> okay, you. Okay,